We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here with you this morning. We will talk to Jeffrey Wright here in a second. We do that every single Thursday, going over the college football slate for the weekend. Maybe a little NFL, too, so... uh the majority of the show today is uh, the hay is getting into the proverbial barn, as all your high school football coaches said back in the day. Ole Miss and A&M Saturday night from College Station. So uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, big day on the uh, on the network. Got a lot of stuff coming up. Neil have uh, McCready and Siski, I assume, later today. There yes. are uh, Pete's Pigskin Preview. It's a Make It Rain Thursday. It is a Make It Rain Thursday. You don't have the same inflection as when Tyler does it, but it's fine. No, I can't. My voice doesn't go that high. Okay. Oh, okay. That's 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 that. And then a pre-recorded edition of Handray's Guys tonight for the YouTube station as well. So plenty and of and stuff. It's a on really the good show. It's it's David Nuno with Texags, who's great. We also talk a little bit about the World Series. David used to be a TV guy in Houston. He knows a lot about the Astros. The Astros and Phillies get started tomorrow night, Game One in Houston. And then uh, Ben Mintz. We go over the weekend ahead in college football. The weekend ahead in the national. Football league, it's good stuff. I've already got people bitching at me. Why is there no live show? It's still a really good show. You'll like it. It's good. Give it a chance. It's okay. We'll be in podcast form too for those who would like to partake in that. Frankly, yes. we do better when you do partake that way. So it's the oddity of uh, of the deal. So anyway. Uh, Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Uh, lunch special today, red beans and rice. It's kind of chilly outside. It's in the 40s. going to be warmer. going to be like 70 later, but it's 40-something right now. So uh, by 11 o'clock this morning, you can take advantage of that. They're giving away more football jerseys. Those are official Ole Miss game day football jerseys. Two more to go this season, Alabama and Mississippi State. So um, head on in. Every purchase leads to a chance to win one of those football jerseys. So get some red beans and rice. Get any size fountain drink you want. Some bread comes with it. So many options there with the Blue Sky here in Oxford. Again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. It's that number. Call it. Ask for my buddy Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. 
right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do. Let's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright will join in a moment on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Great place to grab a burger, a po' boy, appetizer. We've got full bar, great beer selection, and more Rafters on the Square. Also Rafters in New Albany. We'll have uh, Pete's Pigskin Preview getting you ready for Ole Miss, Texas A&M. It's uh, premiering on MPW Digital right here on this very YouTube station, 4 o'clock. It uh, is brought to you by our friends at Walk-Ons. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine. Po' Boys Gumbo Voodoo Shrimp plus fan favorites like Juicy Burgers, Fresh Salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Visit them today in Oxford or Ridgeland. We'll have Butcher versus Spin Instructor at 6. Greg and Campbell with their weekly picks. That's brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. And then uh, don't forget, Saturday night, we'll have the MPW Digital Post Game Show presented by Dead Soxie. Go to deadsoxie.com, promo code REBELGROVE, get 25% off the best socks you'll ever put on your feet. There you All go. Good. There you go. Excellent job. Is Jeffrey ready? I think he's ready. He told me okay. his answer is yup. Okay. Which typically means yes. Okay. So we'll go there now. Oh, almost did a video call. That would have freaked him out. He'd been like, wait, what? What? I mean, I guess they probably would have just said okay. but Yeah, but you know, it wouldn't be fair. You don't tell somebody, hey, we're going to do video <laughs> and then not do You know what I mean? Good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm well. It's nice to have you back. Thank you. Cut me down just a touch, if you would. Microphone, the headset. Oh, Thank you. Okay. okay. It's good to be missed, Jeffrey. I, I mm-hmm. appreciate that. That's nice. It's the least I could do. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Astros in six, Jeffrey. So I was, I was discussing this on the show yesterday. At a certain, like, I do. I would like a little hand up. When I saw how the Phillies beat the Cardinals, I was like, I don't know, man. I've seen I've seen that I've seen that before, where that team just kind of had an energy and kind of like a swag. And I was like, ah, man, that that could be the team that get that gets hot. And then when they beat the Braves, I was like, oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> at least at least I can conf- like at least I can take a little bit of success and uh, claim a little bit of victory there. But at a certain point, the fact that they can't feel ground balls has to come back and bite them, right? It typically does. They just – it's been weird because I watched the Phillies a good bit this season because they have two or three of my favorite players on their team, and I would watch yeah. them. And, and um, they were awful defensively, just awful. And so far in the playoffs – They've still kind of been bad. Yeah, so far in the playoffs, though, they've been just kind of okay. And, and Yeah, but like they're still like missing routine ground balls. Like There are double plays where they're just throwing it to the outfield. Like At a certain time – it doesn't even you don't even want to say like, oh, that looks like a college team. No, that looks like a high school team at times. Yeah, they they just hit though. They just they just hit and they Wheeler's really good and Nola's pretty good and the young guy, the kid that finished it out the other day, he's Suarez, he's pretty good. Robertson, who they got from the Cubs, has been solid for them. And it they, feels like if you really want to make some money on it though, it's like 
Phillies in five or just take the Astros to win? Like after, because all the things that you said, I agree with, but it does also feel like the longer that series goes, the more they get exposed. Phillies in five is a bold one. Like, well, they, they don't have bullpen depth. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they're really operating off like two and a half starters. And I, I'm not taking anything away from them. Like, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, they, they keep shoving it up every, everyone's butt. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just always a big believer of if you have a fatal flaw, it does get exposed at some point in a postseason. And the I Astros, do not see a fatal flaw in the Astros as much as I would love to. I yeah. don't. I'm the same I way. do see one with the Phillies. I'm the same way. I don't see anything with them to indicate that they have any weakness at all. The only weakness I mean, they the have thing, is that... The, the only thing that's like really going against the Astros is like trends where, hey, teams that, teams that waltz through the playoffs like this uh, typically stumble at some point, but it's like, yeah, that's not really, that's not really baseball. Like, that's just kind of coincidence. The only weakness they have is that Verlander has not been great in the postseason in his career. And you wonder He's if not that's Kershaw bad though. No, but you wonder if, if it's a chance for Philly to steal game one. And if they steal game one, then kind of all bets are off at that point. But I tend to agree with you. I think I think it's Houston and six is the smart pick. It's probably the right pick. Phillies get Phillies probably get a couple in Philly. They probably win two of the three there, and then it's over in Houston, and they're the best team. Although, we'll say this, it's Dusty Baker managing. It's Dusty Baker managing. It is, but he's also kind of like the shield for Houston right now because everyone's like, oh, this is the clean one, to which I always say my my usual, prove it, and th- this will be one for Dusty, like, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like to me, like the Astros have been, if not the best team in the AL for most of the year, like one of two. And I don't know. I mean, the Phillies do have magic, but at the same time, it's like, ah, man, can't you just see where it's like the Astros are the ultimate team where they're the ultimate team where you make the mistake and they punish you. Right now, the Phillies haven't really played a team that could punish them. No, that's true. The, the The Cardinals, their margin for error was was always pretty small, as you know, because you watched them yeah, a bunch. They can't, yeah, they they can't. You know, they 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 rely too much on pitching to contact and defense making plays. They ran up against a team like Philly that just hits the absolute cover off the baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a team that was built to have regular season regular season success. And then the Braves, I think the Braves spent so much energy chasing down the Mets that when they did it and they kind of exhaled and they turned around and went, okay, we got, we got to go again? And and they just couldn't answer the bell. And by then, Philly was just a house of fire. And then the Padres were a really flawed team that somehow beat the Dodgers in a short series and had no chance really against Philly. Why did we not call out Kershaw again? I think because we've called him out so much and then people push back when you call him out because he has he is an elite all-time pitcher and we just don't – I don't know. He's kind of likable. He's older. You just kind of leave him alone at this point, but he's never been a great postseason pitcher. We were, we were trying to make the comparison. Is it Aaron Rodgers where it's undeniable that he is an all-time great? 
Like he is, he's an elite pitcher. Like he's an all time great, but the postseason success does not reflect talent and the regular season success. Right. Is it, is that the answer? Well, it's also though we. It's almost like everybody wanted to find any way to give him a pass. So when twenty happened, everybody went, "Okay, well that's it, moving on. That topic's over. Never going to touch it again." You know what I mean? Like where, hey, you do it one time, and hey, cool, all right, sweet. Does twenty count? Well, I mean, not the way everything else counts, but if you're trying to prove your own point for some confirmation bias, it does. Like it is weird how we selectively choose what twenty counts for. Like it does seem to count. For Alabama having one of the greatest offenses of all time because they want to combat LSU fans because the 2019 offense is still, in my opinion, the greatest offense I've ever seen. And then, like, uh, we don't count it for AM. They're whatever they're, what do they go, 9 and 1 or 10 and 1? I can't remember. I think they went 10 and 1. We don't count it for AM. Uh, like, we, we selectively count 20 for certain things. Obviously, LeBron counts it. Um, it is funny how, like, it doesn't. We haven't decided to blanketly count twenty, and we also haven't decided to blanketly ignore twenty. We just selectively pick what does and doesn't count. I've gotten where I just about throw it out. I definitely, in terms of trying to, if you're trying to build an, a narrative, which some people don't care about, and I'm fine with, I I dismiss it. I think it has more outlierish. I think it has more outlierish traits than it does like repeatable traits. Yeah, I do too. I've, I've got. I won't punish somebody if they did something badly in 2020. I'm, I'm quick to dismiss it. I won't just completely throw out an accomplishment, but I don't put a lot of weight on it. So when people do the, hey, the Dodgers got one. I'm like, they did, kinda cool. I mean, they did. I'm not going to take it away from them, but don't ask me to put the same weight on it that I would a a regular like a, you know the. I, I mean, 162-game season. Yeah, exactly. When you play 160 with the Braves last year, the you know, when you get hot in a playoff, like I don't I don't discount the – like if the Phillies end up winning it, I'm not going to go, well, they didn't win the NL East. Nope, not going to do that. I'm going to, nope, they got hot. And that's what that, – that matters. In the same way that sometimes teams dominate for five months, cool off in September, and can't answer the bell. Or the Yankees this year where they just ran out. You know, I mean, just it's part of it. Does it does it make them a less great team? Of course not. But it just means you couldn't win the championship. Winning a championship in Major League Baseball is brutally difficult, just brutally difficult. And you have to have some luck, and you have to have some some things go your way. But no, I, I'm. <clears throat> I, I, I'll tell you why I completely dismissed the 2020 season. The Cubs won the NL Central, and they were bad. But they got super hot for like. 30 games, and that was half the season, and that was enough to pull it off. And it's just like, I mean, what what was, how many games was the regular season that year? Uh, It was like 55 or 56 games or something like that. It was nothing. It was was just a sprint. And so if you got hot for a period, you pulled it off. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It felt more like a showcase than it did like an actual season to me. Jump into football a little bit. Auburn, Arkansas, four point line here. I, it's in Auburn. I don't know necessarily why I have a lot of faith in Arkansas in a way. Um, and I ended up not taking them, but I think I'm madder about this pick maybe of anything I did in the week because I just don't. Harson has done a good job of keeping them playing hard, but at some point they just are what they are. 
Yeah, and I mean, to your point, though, this was a game last year. Arkansas got them at home, and Auburn well, beat them by two touchdowns, really. I mean, like, they did, if, yeah. I, if I remember that game correctly, it was like an early CBS game. Maybe, was that a night maybe where CBS had the – is this where they put the LSU-Alabama game after it? And, you know, like it, it really wasn't that close of a game. My bigger problem with Auburn is, I don't know, like at a certain point – at a certain point, I do think, like, I read what Jay wrote on, maybe it was, I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, about, is it really that unreasonable for Brian Harson to go, hey, if you're healthy, you should play? Like, that doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing to say. <laughs> no, it's not at all. It's it's um, absolutely that, not. That, 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 that does seem, that seems to me to be something that, that I, I can nod my head and go, I, okay, I, 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 I'm with him on that. I said this on G-Pitch yesterday, and it's true. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's duh, but it's true. Brian Horson's job, for as long as he has it, and right now it's his job, his job is to do what's in the best interest of Auburn football. That's what he's getting paid to do. And so he knows he's going to get fired, but he hasn't been fired yet, and so he keeps showing up for work and clocking in and doing his job, and there's this, all these sabotages going on around him, and he just keeps clocking in and doing his job, and he's doing what is in the best interest of Auburn football, and he's told the players that are there on scholarship at Auburn that if you don't want to play, then quit. Mm-hmm. But if you're here, you're going to play. Fair enough. I'll be honest with you. I'm more and more impressed with the guy every single day. He's he's dealing. He's with, managing best he can in a hellfire right and, now. And, and most yes. of this is really not his fault. He took a job that he probably shouldn't have taken, but he took it, and he's doing he's doing the best job he can do. He's He's doing all he can do, and it's chaos around him. And most of the chaos has been created by outside factors, but he keeps clocking in each day and doing what is best for Auburn. Fair enough. No, to, to your point, it's kind, of, it's kind of a similar situation to Tubby Smith, where when Tubby Smith got to Memphis, you know, there was, there was frustration with him, but it's like he was coaching it like, exactly like he did a Tubby Smith team. Like he was not going to recruit at the highest level. He was going to go after his kind of guys. He was going to coach them up. He was not going to concern himself with promoting the program. Like that's like he you got Tubby Smith. Auburn did hire Brian Harson. Like Harson is a similar type guy where he's a you know he believes in his identification and development. And unfortunately, in a players league, like that's a bad fit. Like that's that's just a bad fit. But at the same time, it's like. You've kind of gotten Brian Harson, and then on a on another level, it's like when you look at what's happened to Boise, it's like I don't know, maybe maybe he just was ready to get out. And one thing you can say about Auburn is even if it doesn't work, it's a hell of a payday. And so, you know, now he's never going to have to worry about you know money, presumably for the rest of rest of his life, probably the rest of his kids' lives. But there's also like a certain element of maybe he's also auditioning for other jobs and it does seem like it's kind of checking off two boxes like for Auburn and for Auburn fans the more he coaches and the more games he coaches the less support he has making the firing less controversial or or less you know insane if you will and in his corner it's also like the way he has handled this job has also kind of gotten him respect from other like it if he is technically interviewing for a lesser job, like I think there will be people that will respect what he's doing. So you took Arkansas to cover. I think the rest of us 
picked I, I picked Arkansas and Chase picked Arkansas, but I picked him under the number. I think it's going to be that close. Uh, Rippy picked Auburn to win, so congrats to Arkansas for getting the W. Um, I don't know what to expect. I think this game, I said it has a chance to be a track meet, and I think it kind of does. I think both teams could just literally run all day. So the one thing that I do think works in Auburn's favor is, or works in Arkansas's favor, I should say, is to attack them and to expose them, you really have to throw it. I just don't know how much you're going to want Auburn to throw it. Like we saw, like Auburn's best chance for being good and having success is trying to run the football. Well, like that's kind of the one thing that Arkansas still stops pretty well. It's the back end of their defense, and I'm kind of operating under the assumption that Arkansas post bye week, as they start to get some guys healthier, like they're going to kind of close the season stronger. So that's just kind of it's it's somewhat of a gut play, but also like I, I I mentioned that I've come up with the new rule when the when the line's like three and a half or four and a half, I'm just taking the favorite because that feels like uh, more times than not when it's three and a half, the favorite covers, and then when it's under. Uh, more on that in a bit. When it's like two and a <laughs> half, take the underdog. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of how I'm operating right now. Yeah. They are getting healthier because they, they got the bye week at a good time. They also rested some guys the last couple of weeks. They're, they're healthier. Their, their schedule sets up for them to do fairly well. There's there's a narrative that gets established that, hey, they're, they're, they're not any good. They're average, whatever. They, they're a shrivel of a football away from being five and two and having a different sec record and us talking about them differently that's it, it's been that kind of season for a bunch of teams um kentucky tennessee i want to get to it i mean i know there's another game there's that missouri south carolina game which i actually think is going to be competitive because i don't think south carolina i think they're winning but i don't think they're particularly good no and, but i do have the my question with south carolina is like is Beamer Ball back? Like, because people always do the, oh, Beamer Ball was special teams and blocking kicks. No, no, no. If you remember Frank's words, Beamer Ball is being able to score on all three sides of the football. It was being able to score on offense, which they did very little of, score on defense, and score on special teams. Well, South Carolina's offense sucks, so that checks out. Like, Beamer Ball offense, usually not, not appetizing to watch. Defense is pretty good, right? It's okay, yeah. Pretty good. They, they seem to tackle pretty well. Like, I'll give them that. And then special teams, they're running kicks back. Like, he, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm now operating on the, like, the assumption that South Carolina is that team that I don't know. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, picking them week to week feels like an exercise in futility. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes it's tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life. When you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. Therapists can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals. No matter how big or small life comes at you, and therapy can help. We've talked about it before, where maybe you talk to friends, family members, but they have preconceived notions. They uh, have their own emotional investment in your problems. With a therapist, you get a clean slate. Somebody will just listen and help you work through your problems to feel a little less stressed, a little more confident, and more. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any point. You can turn your 
camera on or off, whatever it needs to make it as comfortable as possible for you. So if you want a better problem-solving situation, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com MPW to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com MPW. They handled A&M with their defensive front and kind of front seven on the defensive side really well. To the point I was watching it kind of going, can Ole Miss emulate that? I don't know. Like I thought, a- I thought South Carolina really flew around defensively. I know, I know, A and M's got tons of offensive issues. Don't get me wrong, but there was a certain kind of setting tempo there and didn't let A chain go crazy and kind of handled that game in the middle of it, even after the seventeen nothing spurt there to start the game. Yeah, but then I also found myself wondering, like, okay, well, A and M's playing two quarterbacks. You know, one's a true freshman, the other's hurt. They're a mess. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. And they still outgained them. I mean, I get it. A kickoff return will, will oftentimes make the offensive yardage numbers not really add up. But I don't know. A&M's offense looked more competent in that game than other games to a certain degree. Yeah. I... They would they have like seven or eight false starts? Like that was such a weird game. They're a weird team. Yes. Like, Both of them are. I mean, let's just get to that game. We'll get to the other games in a minute. Ole Miss and A&M, the line's like two. I think the line's dropped to two, but for our purposes, it was two and a half. Whatever. Sure. Um, I was taping with Pete last night. We were watching film. Or Pete was watching film, and I was watching him watch film. And, damn, A&M looks the part, man. Like, their defensive front seven, they look the part. I mean, they look like a big-time SEC football team. Yeah, they look well-paid. Yeah. I mean, that's what to, – to get to be good on the defensive line in this league, and it's always been this way, you've got to pay. You yes. Don't, they, don't, they don't come cheap. You've got to pay. And they've paid, and they have them. They're there, and they're really competent. And when you watch the scheme, it's a good scheme. We watched it at Ole Miss. It works. I don't know how they got here. To this place, I, to where they're three and four, they're lucky to not be two and five. The aforementioned Arkansas game, I mean, if just one thing goes different on that last Arkansas drive, A and M's two and five, zero oh and four in the league. I mean, on their way potentially to zero oh and eight in the league. How did they? How did this happen? So I've been watching NFL primetime to kind of like as I get into my thirties, I realize like why nostalgia is so uh, impactful <laughs> on people. And it's just nice to see Boom back on there telling me about the NFL. And his new partner is Booger McFarlane. And I understand there's lots of you know SEC people that have opinions about Booger. One thing that I love about Booger McFarlane is he's unapologetically Booger, and he doesn't really give a damn. And I think that makes for good TV. Yep. You can disagree with his opinions, but at the same time, like I don't feel like he couches anything. And he made a statement a couple of weeks ago that I kind of – I was like, you know what? I, I think that's kind of insightful. He was talking about the Jets. And the point that he made was they're now going from accumulating talent to building a team. And I do think that that's an interesting point in the sense of maybe A&M is a collection of talent, but they're not a good team. And football is that weird sport where it takes more than just talent. Like part of part of Nick Saban's excellence is not only accumulating the talent, but getting them to play as a team and to be like have like a 
clear identity and whatnot. I think that's what I see when I see A&M. I see a collection of talent, but I just don't see a team. No, it's it's very well put. The uh, The secret to Saban's success is not just the recruiting. It's not just the evaluation and the procurement of talent. It's getting that talent to come in and be part of the process. It's, it is. It is. It's, hey, you do this. This is your role. You play as part of the team, and the individual things will come your way, and in three years you'll have generational wealth because you'll be a first-round pick. And they get so many guys that do that, and then it happens, and they get more guys that keep coming in and doing it, and Jimbo hasn't gotten the, the, that part of it down. He's gotten the procurement down and the evaluation down, because that's a loaded roster. I mean, when you watch Devin A. Chain run, hey, there's another gear there. It's like, whoa. And and the quarterback, the freshman, everybody wanted the kid. I mean, they've got they've got those dudes all over the place. Got a wide receiver that would be Ole Miss's best wide receiver if he walked onto the campus today. Mm-hmm. Fairness, he'd be the best wide receiver at a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, they're beat up up front, but what's left up front's pretty good. And like I said, they got defensive linemen, multiple, plural, that would walk onto the Ole Miss team and be the best defensive lineman on campus right away. Yeah, and I think, though, when you watch A&M, that's kind of what's confusing about them. Like, if you're just someone who's just trying to watch games and, like, you don't care about A&M being a cult and kind of rooting for them to lose, which, if you want to do that, by all means, go ahead. Like, that's what that's what makes sports fun is, like, factions and whatnot, but... I think if you're just trying to like analyze them as a football team, that's the biggest problem is it feels like the sum of the parts does not equal like what they what they produce. Yet I kept, Chase and I were talking about it. I was watching the you'll see it, it comes out tonight, four o'clock. Um watching it, I'm like, God, why did I pick Ole Miss to win this game? And and, and I wonder if I didn't Right for rebelgrove.com if I would. I, it, the line feels tricky. Ben Mintz and I were talking about this. It feels like a weird line. I mean, you know, A&M's a two-point home dog I, I, against a ranked team. You got the whole ranked team coming in to play an unranked yeah. team. And eighty. we saw it last week, 80-something percent of the time the, the home team wins that game. It's just I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no read on this. How healthy is Ole Miss? So the way that I like I kind of snarkily wrote it, it's like my new rule is when the line is three and a half to four and a half, I'm gonna take the favorite. When it's under three points, I'll take the underdog. But I had a footnote. Rule does not apply when one of the teams in question has just suspended three players for smoking weed in the locker room before the previous game. Also another footnote, allegedly. So the, <laughs> I'm being snarky, but here's what I really mean by that. The problems that Ole Miss has are normal football problems, in my opinion. It's guys getting banged up. It's guys, you know, it's 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 not having depth. The problems that A&M have are more emblematic of a disaster or at least a team that is just on the brink of quitting. And it does seem to me one thing we can kind of count on is Ole Miss typically starts pretty well and starts fast. Yeah. And I think... If you are kind of the way that I'm at least predicting it, like I'm not, I don't believe in like myself to be some type of authority, but it's like, I think Ole Miss is going to start fast. And typically what we see is when a team starts fast and another team is 
certainly on a quit watch, if you will. That's usually the recipe. Yeah, they're not going to come back like LSU did. The question is just simply, does Ole Miss get? I mean, do you well, get off that kind of jump? I mean, that's let's the, look at the difference between LSU and A and M. To Neil's point, I don't know if roster wise it's that much different. A and M, in fact, might have more players. But one thing about LSU is they have been building an offensive identity and they've been trying to figure out what they can do. They add a little bit more every week and they've been getting better. A&M, on the other hand, has been searching for an offensive identity. Like, I think for a while they thought, okay, we'll just get it to A-Chain and that's going to work. Well, it hasn't. And so it feels like they're just searching on offense. And you know what I mean? Like, it's tough to, if you fall behind, it's tough to, it's tough to come back if you don't even really know the ways to come back. Yeah, here's the problem I'm having a little bit, if I'm honest. I sat in Tiger Stadium on Saturday, and I watched those last three quarters. I know you guys watched on TV. I'm having a difficult time getting the image of B.J. Olajari and and, uh, number 40. Perkins, right? Perkins. Harold Perkins. Just coming off the edge and blowing Ole Miss's offensive line to smithereens. For you know, three, for three quarters. Just a quick aside, you know what my favorite play, like my favorite, uh, the favorite like little subtle moment of that game was, Perkins gets a bad like fifteen yard penalty, and Kelly brings him to the sideline and yeah. rips him. <laughs> it puts him right back in. <laughs> yeah, and you think it's one of those moments where he's like, "Get your ass on the bench." No, no. get your ass back out there. <laughs> Ten. Mother effing million dollars. You get your ass right back out there. I go, say what you want about Brian Kelly. The man gets the job. <laughs> go hit number two some more, damn it. But just know, but know that I'm pissed off there. at you right now. I am really angry at you. Like you you're thinking he's yelling at him, like, get your ass on the bitch. Hell no. Get your ass back out there. <laughs> he, they, and, and, and this is what bothers me about this matchup. It's the one thing, and it, it, it keeps kind of resonating with me, and it's kind of like a foreboding thing in my mind, is A&M's got those dudes too. And it's two freshman tackles. Casey Kelly's banged up. Who's playing? Is, you know, is Evans okay? Is he not okay? I mean, at some point, the injuries are the injuries. Where oh, they are. And I kind of wonder if there is a little internal thing offensive line look let's be real here for a minute this is not criticizing david johnson but david knows those kids on the offensive line and david asked a pretty pointed offensive line question on monday he did the intent of his question was if the rotational and moving guys around was having impacts on the offensive line communication and production was the question he was asking that's a fair question and you've got You've got two guys, one in particular in Jeremy James, who came back to play left tackle, who's now playing guard. And I just wonder if internally they're like, hey, maybe there's an answer here. Put us at tackle. And I just can't help but wonder if that question was fueled somewhere. That's all I'm saying. I don't know that. And I think that's completely reasonable. I also think that when you tend to have a loss like Ole Miss did where, you know, it was a game somewhat in the fourth quarter to start the fourth quarter at least, and then it becomes a blowout. Yeah. 
I do think there's a tendency to overreact. And I'm on record. I said it on the postgame show with, with Chase. Like, I, I keep hearing how great this offensive line is, but I don't know, man. I test it doesn't pass it at times. Like, no. A lot of the times, like, when they put up these monster numbers, particularly on the ground, I'm not necessarily convinced it's it's offensive line domination. It's more of scheme. When you have to go pass pro with those guys, it starts to break down. Frank- and, and to be clear, if if every tackle could just play guard, you wouldn't have as many busts in the NFL as you do. Like Eric Flowers, you know, couldn't play tackle. Well, then other teams like, well, what if we move him to guard? Like, you know, turns out he can't play that. Like, he, he, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think if you have a strong conviction one way or the other in this game, I think you're if you're convinced that A&M wins, it's like at a certain point they have better players, they're going to win. Ole Miss might be limping. You know, how good was Ole Miss? I don't know. Like I, I don't know. And then at the same time it's like if you have a conviction about Ole Miss, I think your conviction is listen, they've been able to produce offensively. They can they can score more than A&M can. Mm-hmm. But I, I there's like 10 different ways I could see this game going. Oh, for sure. I mean, I could too. I, I, and if you told me that Ole Miss wins by 10 points, I'm not even all that surprised, actually. I just don't know. I, Listen, we... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Whether or not it was in a locker room or on a bus before the game, we've, we've seen when teams uh, might uh, smoke them out before the game. 
that's not usually a team you want to bet on. My thing, Chase was getting into it just then. My thing with Ole Miss is if Kelly can't go or he's limited, if Jalen Robinson can't go, and there's no reason to think that Jalen Robinson is suddenly going to be impactful in week nine, Malik Heath got banged up. We don't know about Zach Evans. Don't really know about uh, Ulysses Bentley. At some point, do you have enough offense? Do you have enough offense to do what you need to do? Because there's no sign that this defense is going to go pitch a shutout. Vanderbilt, no, I, Vanderbilt I, I, got 28 I, points. I Auburn guess, got 34 points. LSU got 45 points. I mean, there's a trend here. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, and I agree with you, but I also, I don't know. I keep, when I get into these games, like, I I know everybody wanted, wanted you know, the freshman, was it Wegman? What is it, Wegmeyer? Wegman. Is Wegman. It, 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 Wegman. Wegman. Yeah. Wegman. They, but didn't they? They had a Watermeyer. Like, what's yeah. weird W last? They've run through a bunch of dudes. Listen, if you're if you're if you actually pronounce the W in your last name, I got no time for you. You know, it should be silent. <laughs> like it's like all good ones. But I know maybe the numbers are not overwhelming. I've watched Jackson every single week. I think the kid's pretty good. I think he's. I think he's special. I'll be honest with you. I think Jackson Dart is significantly better than he was advertised to be. And he was advertised to be pretty good. He's tough as absolute nails. I mean, we talked about this narrative that got established about this kid being some California surfer dude, kind of laid back. Uh Uh-uh. That's not him at all. That guy competes now. He plays hard. And and he's got on talent. California and Utah are not the same state, right? Absolutely. And, you know, he – he threw that ball that everyone says he missed the the sluggo to to Mingo. Uh, Pete put that on film. Yep. He threw that off his back foot because he was under pressure. He had people all around him on that throw. He had to go. He had to do a secondary drop. The timing was completely screwed up by LSU's disruption on defense. So, I know he missed the throw, but it was a really difficult throw. Um. Well, he quote unquote missed the throw because it got caught up in the wind. But further, I don't know. Like, am I insane for thinking Mingo should just come on and got that? Uh, I was. It was kind of towards me. It would have been a really hard catch. He, okay, because the TV copy made it seem like he he net he didn't locate the ball quick enough, and by the time he did, like he couldn't turn on the jets and. Maybe that's part of the problem. Like maybe Mingo just doesn't have the Jets to turn on. I, I don't know. Like I just saw I, I, the ball. I can tell you that LSU going into that game last week did not believe that Ole Miss had anybody that had the Jets to take the top off the defense. Not saying that Ole Miss doesn't. I'm saying that's what LSU believed. Well, have we seen it thus far? No. You see a lot of underneath. They do some brilliant schematic stuff underneath. Like the two first drives – some of the stuff that they did route throwing Watkins open and yeah, yeah, yeah the routes and stuff that they ran were just when you watch it from the press box and you see it unfolding underneath you you're like god that's brilliant i mean it, it just schematically genius and then lsu said to hell with this we're not sitting back anymore we're going to attack and when they started attacking a lot of that stuff just the timing of it got so disrupted i guess the other thing though that i keep thinking of is you know durkin's not Durkin doesn't really like to attack. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's I know. That's going to be interesting like, because everything on film says attack them. And he likes to sit back. And so if he does, 
maybe he plays into their hands. And they've seen each because they've practiced against each other so many times. Lane knows how to motion Durkin into a look that he wants. Durkin knows what Lane's trying to do when he does it. There's a lot of just kind of, I don't know, X and O stuff that'll be chess match that'll be kind of fun to watch too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, when I just kind of think about it, it's like, if you want to take A&M, I'm not sitting there going like, okay, well, that's stupid. But I don't know. I, I, I guess I also feel the LSU game was jarring because of the physical mismatch. There were like a few kind of cleanup mistakes that Ole Miss could have made that could have made the game a little different. Like, for instance, a couple of times where they're trying to throw a screen and they got guys blocking downfield, well, the throw was a half yard down the field. It's like, you know, you know you have to throw that behind the line of scrimmage. Make like If they clean up a few of those things, a couple of those drives keep going. You know, Jackson did, you know, he got hit on the interception, but he made a mistake of not realizing that they did have a safety to that side. I think he thought it was just straight man. Like, there are a few, like, clean it up things and that game looks a little different yeah like, I don't I don't think he knew Fusha was there I don't think I, I think he thought they were just in straight man because it was goal line and everybody was in tight I don't think that's a I don't think that's some type of unforgivable mistake but I do think it's also the type of mistake that when when you make it you tend to be aware of it the next time and that's mm-hmm. kind of my point with dart is I think the kid gets better like every week I see something that I like about him a little bit more than I liked previously. And I'm just, I'm kind of banking on, like in the pick, like I'm banking on, I like him better than I like whoever whoever A&M puts at quarterback. I know you got to go in a second, Jeffrey, but you picked him just by the number, Tennessee, Kentucky. What kind of odds are you getting Kentucky to either cover or have a shot chance in the fourth quarter of this game? Well, I think they've got a, they've got a legitimate chance because – they get a uh, who was the who is the the kick returner receiver when we watched him like holy hell that guy is fast Brown Brett William Brown he's back I think they've got like two or three other offensive guys that are getting back and so you know this game does have the makings of getting into the same type of Kentucky Tennessee game we saw last year but really what I'm just going on like history tells us no matter how bad Tennessee or how good Kentucky is like. Kentucky has a problem in this game, and so I'm just kind of banking on that. Could be a ton of offense. And Kentucky can slow it down to where that you can – we saw it in Oxford. You can minimize um, possessions for Tennessee. Their offense has been dynamic. Their defense has not. And if Kentucky can do that, and they're pretty balanced, like you said, when Rodriguez is out there and Brown's out there and Levis, supposedly the toe is getting better, they, he can make plays. It could be interesting. And you just wonder, Tennessee's now, it's different when you're chasing Alabama and then all of a sudden you're third in the country and people are talking about you, hey, you could win the national championship and stuff. Things things get a little tense. I totally agree with you. I guess the more the season goes on and the more I reflect on it, the more I'm impressed with Tennessee. Like, we've given them a bunch of tests and they basically passed all of them Every and they passed them. all of them pretty well. Yep. But then there's also in the back of your mind, there's this there's this thought of like, am I really at the point where I'm ready to just blindly trust Tennessee? 
And it's like, that feels like a point in time where, hey, that's when you get burned. But from what I've seen from Kentucky and what I've seen from Tennessee, I can trust Tennessee more than I can trust Kentucky. I agree completely. I do. I think at some point, maybe it's this Saturday. I mean, I'm not going to – if they go to Athens and lose a seven-point game next week, I'm not going to go, oh, see, they suck. That's, that's completely absurd. At some point, you have to look at Josh Heupel and the job that he's done and, hey, tip your hat. I mean – Well, and the other thing about Tennessee that I, I like is, yes, it's year two of Heupel, but he has built a team of older guys, and it's older guys that are, like, hungry. It's kind of what we saw last year with Kiffin – in that, yeah, you brought in transfers and you had some parts from the old roster that you liked and you kind of blended them together, but it's kind of a bunch of guys that are mature and they realize that they're playing for their futures. And then, you know, I, I just kind of like that formula. That team and, that team last year had one transfer. That's what I'm interested this year with Ole Miss. Now that they've lost a the game, there's a bunch of transfers. Like, what is what's chemistry look like if – Get off to a slow start. What does is, what is chemistry look like if you ap- accidentally lose on Saturday? Do you going into an open date with Alabama around the corner? That's that's the part of this that it's it's bringing in this many transfers. It's the big experiment, and you know they talked at the beginning of the year. If you remember, it was one of those conversations. It was about chemistry, or I can't remember the word that he used, but there was this word about buy-in and stuff that was kind of out there and. They've still struggled with it in some spots. That's why you have to. I am, I am curious about it. Not you're, you're right about Tennessee. It's a bunch of guys that have been in that program for a long time who have lost a lot together, and now they're winning, and 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 they're they're playing really hard together. Like they answered. I know it was UT Martin. I get it. No, but I was impressed by that because I was that was too. like the ultimate. Like you could be hung over. No, they put up 50 in the first half. They did exactly what you're supposed to do when you're a great team and you play one of those games. Go beat the shit out of them and get off the field. Amen. And they did it. And so I'm, I'm, this is a big moment for them. That place is going to be a zoo again, and then they get another big moment next week. But I'm, I'm close to buying in. Last thing, this Florida-Georgia, you and I laid the points. I just – I couldn't. I. 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 am not gonna. I'm unwilling to lose a game on Georgia by by doing math. But I. I'm worried about it. It's the biggest line in the history of that series. Is it? Yeah. I just look at. Like, let's look at the two times Florida's covered. It was Week One against Utah when Utah kind of wilted in the heat. Yeah. And further, you know, we talked about it. Like, if if Rising's pass just like one hops, like he just throws a bad ball and it's incomplete, I think they were still scoring. And then the other one is the, you know, heroic backdoor cover at Tennessee. But, I mean, for the most part, they were getting beat by multiple scores for that game. Like, yeah. And then the bigger deal to me is the games that Richardson's going to have success in are the games that, you know, he can get outside the pocket and whatnot. I do not see Georgia letting him outside the pocket. They didn't last year. They absolutely just made him look. They made him look so one-dimensional a year ago that it was striking. Well, yeah, if you recall, like that was when Mullen knew he was under fire, and the answer was, "All right, we're going to turn to Richardson to try to make the fan base a little happier." And uh, boy, that yeah. that was that was not exactly an inspiring performance. What you got on your shows today? A lot of uh, a lot of Grizzlies. I'm guessing they look really good. Grizzlies look good. Um. And then, of course, they, they start their four-game road trip. But 
Zaire Williams is now announced with an injury. He's out four to six, or at least he'll be reevaluated in four to six. So that's kind of an interesting aspect because they're having to play a lot of guys. They're playing two rookies right now, so they're they're somewhat interesting. And you know, it's still it's still football season. Yeah, it is. We'll uh, we'll talk a little basketball down the road. I'm going to get your thoughts on the Lakers at some point soon because it's kind of fun to watch this train wreck. But we'll it's, it's a delight. It is. It is. It is really special. If you if you like the NBA and you watch this, you watch the you watch what's happening with the Lakers, and you're just like everybody can see it coming, except you guys, and it's hilarious. Anyway, hey, thanks for the time, buddy. As always. All right. That was Jeffrey Wright, his weekly visit on the show. We always appreciate him. We'll talk to him again on uh, Saturday night after Ole Miss and A&M. You probably haven't kept up with the whole Lakers thing. I knew they were 0-4. Um, knew they looked very poor doing it. Knew that it was well. Here's the time here's in like the great part. Years. They they're 0-4 with LeBron playing really well and Anthony Davis kind of looking like Anthony Davis. Which they needed they needed shooters. Everyone knew they needed shooters, and they doubled down on Russell Westbrook. And got no shooters. And now, because they didn't want to trade future picks, and I get it, but you have this window, and they could have had Buddy Hiled on this team, which would make all the sense in the world. And instead, they're stuck with Westbrook, who makes no and, – and Russell's not going to change. No, there's plenty of evidence that they – And so it you it just – it is what it is. It's hilarious to watch them play. Speaking of basketball, and I know the answer is money, and money's the answer to everything in college athletics right now. But, and I know we get used to things. Are we not really jumping the sharp, shark contemplating eighty and ninety-six team NCAA basketball tournaments? It's ridiculous, but I think it's coming because you are completely killing the regular season at that point making it meaningless we don't even care about bubble watch anymore we don't care about bracketology we don't care about any of that shit cuz what difference does it make if you're None. if you have a pulse you are in the tournament you could and those be, teams aren't winning the damn thing you you could be well and it's a single elimination tournament so if it's you're what are you doing i mean you're putting teams like in the sec that go 7 and 7 and 11 yes. into the tournament do you really want to watch those teams more? They already get a shot in the conference tournament. You get your shot. No, I mean, you 64 or whatever it is, 68 teams right now. It's fine. It works. It works. It's fine. Last year, had it gone to 80, Virginia, which it's a name program, won a title a few years ago, they would have gotten into the tournament with an 84 net. 84. Well, you you just nail it. I mean, you take a regular season that's already kind of laborious, and you just make it trivial. And and, and eighty is the good news. There's people talking about ninety six. Oh, I've I've seen a bigger number than that. Oh, I've seen one twenty, whatever it is, one twenty eight. Yeah, adding just another round. That's the ultimate participation trophy. That, well, because here's the deal in a couple ways. Nothing. Again, I know it's about money. That's the answer. Greg Sankey and the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, that's his name, both of them have given vocal support to the idea of expansion, and it, it's just from a money standpoint and getting their teams in the tournament. Yeah. I understand why their self-interest are aligned there. But it's like coaches are for it, but they're misguided. If I'm an AD – I'm not giving you a big extension because you made the NCAA tournament as the 78th seed. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's sure. what the coach thinks. Oh, well, sure. I got in the tournament, so then I can use that to have some more security and say, see? And it's like, 
I mean, it's the basketball bastardized version of when everybody talks about baseball history and they go, well, they didn't make the tournament. I was like, yeah, they took 32 teams back then. I mean, it, no, it's, I like it's, the way it is right now because for a team in the SEC to make the tournament, they have to be good. You make the tournament in the SEC, you're good. I didn't say great, but good. Look at the teams that made the tournament last year out of the SEC. They were all good teams. Had good wins. Every one of them. I don't want to go to a deal where a 7-11 and 11 or a 6-12 and 12 SEC team makes the tournament and listen to the coaches go, well, we played this schedule. Come on, you didn't win. You won no games. I get that you played a schedule. How about play a schedule and win games? Chet has a thought that actually, I mean, it, it's a – it's a reputable thought. He said the 64-team model eliminates several Power 5 teams that are decent enough to make a run and they have eyes that will watch. Eliminating Power 5 teams in November is what kills the regular season. Eliminating P5 teams, you guys, I'm, I'm not understanding. He's meaning teams that get off to rough starts in November. They're already out of the bubble. So, oh. like A&M, for example. Okay. A&M gets into the tournament and they could have won a game or two. And blah, blah, well, they blah, probably should have gotten into the yeah. tournament. You know that kind of thing where there's name, but they were not a six and twelve SEC team. No, 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 no. They were a bubble. And you can team. squint a little based off last year's numbers. You can squint a little and go, okay, okay. Like the teams that would have gotten in, okay. Now, what's the number that you're using here? Is this eighty? The, I'm using the eighty. They're going to eighty teams. What is that? Is that just adding an, another play in round kind of a thing? What do they? How do they do uh, that? I've not read the story. Yeah, I don't know how it's funded without really reading it. I don't know. Um, let's see. But, like, the teams that would have gotten in under the structure, Dayton, which was 23-10 and 10 in the A-10. So this is going from 68 to 80. That is correct. Oklahoma, 18-15 okay. and 15 in, the, in the Big 12. I watched Oklahoma several times last year. They weren't, a, they weren't a tournament team. But, see, like, they're the example for even the argument, though, is they had a 30 Ken Palm and got left out. Okay. They, they, they lost a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. SMU twenty three and eight in the in the American. Okay. Texas A and M forty two in the Ken Palm, but got really hot late. Well, made it to the finals of the tournament. Xavier eighteen and Who'd thirteen. They beat, in the tournament, they beat Tennessee, Auburn, and Arkansas back to back to back or something like that in, in Nashville and lost to Kentucky. Isn't that right? I don't know. I don't remember. Beat, like yes, that. they got to the finals. I do recall. I know that. they beat Auburn. They beat Arkansas, and I think they beat Tennessee as well. They beat somebody else. A and M, Xavier, who won the NIT, but nobody gives a shit about that. Wake Forest. 23 and 9 in the ACC. Florida 19 and 13 in the SEC. 55 Ken Palm. Arnett, whatever. I don't know. VCU 21 and 9. North Texas 22 and 6 out of the Conference USA. BYU 20 and 10. Virginia 19 and 13. And St. Louis 22 and 11 out of the A10. I'd have to see how you bracketed it. I mean, whatever. I mean, if you want to add another round to the Dayton, a Dayton style round after covering that game in Dayton, it was kind of cool. Cool, fair enough, whatever. I don't care. But like the bracketologist that's in this story, he goes, even of those 12 teams, there are two that I had mild interest in. Dayton being one and Texas A&M. He goes, that's. But I felt like Texas A&M should have gotten in in the 68. Yeah, they should have. I thought so too. I mean, that was where you you watched it and you're like, so they didn't get in. So does this tournament not matter at all? At which point, why are you playing it? That's kind of how I came away from observing that. But I don't know. 80 just feels like a big number. 
as someone who covers it and listens to coaches campaign, which is kind of my point is, Hey, we got in. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, the guy says here, but the bottom line is, as you said, the teams had endless chances to prove themselves worthy or schedule well enough to participate in the national championship tournament, and they didn't get it done, period. Why play a season if you can limp along like Florida and Virginia, never showing any consistent winning ability whatsoever and still get in? What impact, what impact also do you think a field like this would have on the sport? Would Travis still have kept his job at Xavier? Are we looking at Virginia differently going into this year? I guess there's optics, but it shouldn't be. I agree with that. I mean... Making the tournament should mean something. Because it's a – here's the deal. is I don't, I've don't. i seen some basketball people who are for this that use this example and go, well, here's the problem. Only this percentage get into the tournament or play in the postseason college basketball and there's all these teams. But look, 70 teams go bowling in football. Yeah, but they don't play for the national no, championship. Come on, the teams that go to the it's Camellia four. Bowl. The, the teams like, that go to the Camellia Bowl are playing a game because ESPN wants them to play a game on the day after Christmas. Yeah, you can't use the percentages of postseason teams no. to compare those sports. No, absolutely not. That's dumb. But basketball people are weird, and I like basketball. But the basketball people, the basketball media, those guys—they're strange people, and they go around defend. They, they're like your buddy Kendall, and I like Kendall too, but the people that spend their time, I'm defending my sport, damn it. I can't stand that stuff. It's not your job. Your job is to cover the sport, not advocate for it. And they do a lot of that. It's not good basketball. And here's the answer, and this is politically incorrect, but the answer is get more of the little guy the hell out of the room, put more of the big guy in the room, and go, hey, look. Let's get more of the Power 5 teams in the tournament. That's who people want to see. Let's not take the seventh team out of the damn MEAC, for God's sake. Let's make let's let that be what it is. Let's take more teams like that. Texas A&M got left out because they were a big boy. Yeah. Because they wanted to take the sixth team from the American or whatever. No, just do it the right way. Now, ironically, the change from RPI to net helps the Power 5. It does, and they should, and they should be more. Yeah, they that should, formula actually hurts the little guy, and and they need to stick with the net more. Yeah, quit searching for ways. No, I don't want the fourth team out of the Gonzaga's league. Two's plenty, and just take the SEC teams and the Big Ten teams and the Big Twelve teams that make sense, the ACC teams that make sense, and put them in the tournament. Is this eventual break-off going to include basketball? Yes, because of money. And I know I keep coming back to this, and you just throw your shoulders up, and who cares? Because I know nobody really cares. But what happens to Gonzaga? I don't know. But, I mean, you literally just remove maybe the number one program in the country from the sport? What happened to the pterodactyl? Well, okay. But well, it once was a big dominant Well, I understand animal. what you mean. Well, but I mean, it did. It roamed the – you see him anymore? Okay. When was the last time you saw a brontosaurus? Well, look, fairness is not even near the right word because there is no fairness and nobody gives two dams about fairness. But I do have a little bit of a problem with, hey, Northwestern, you're in, and Gonzaga, sorry, you're not in our tournament. Like, hold on. The pterodactyl had his day. Yeah, Villanova. I mean, like. Should have played football. 
Well, they do. It's just D1 or D2. Well, they, should, they need to move up quick. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not even being – Do mean, they join a major conference as a basketball-only participant? Maybe. And figure out how the hell to revenue share that? I, I guess. You're, gonna, you're not going to get the same revenue share. I mean, if I'm North Carolina, I'm like, wait, Villanova wants in? Yeah, we'll give them like one thirty-second of a share. Sure. Cool. Yeah. They're not getting a football share. Yeah. No. I mean, it's, it's just where we're going. I mean, the TV networks are not paying. They'll pay for the basketball tournament, but do they really care who's in the tournament? Do they really care if Marist is in the tournament or not? Really? No. They'd like some first-round upsets, and then they want the big boys to win. They want Cinderella to have a great weekend, and then they want Kentucky to drive their boot heel into them and move on. But would it really matter if instead of Marist, it was Mississippi State on that Thursday? Everybody, does the people that fill out their bracket, do they really care? No, but there is less Cinderella when it's a Power 5 school with a $125 million athletic budget. That changes the romanticism of that weekend. Sure, but I'm not sure it changes the bottom line of that weekend. Yeah. I'm not sure it stops Buffalo Wild Wings from advertising. Yeah. I'm not sure that it makes Cialis not run their tub commercial 4,000 times. Sure. And so at the bottom line, if the bottom line's not impacted and the SEC goes, so instead of getting X, we get X times three? Yeah, we're in. Well, what about what what about the Sun Belt? I don't care. That's the answer. Yeah, and I'm not even being I'm not being, being idealistic. I just it's a lot of these things. It's things You're with being co- romantic about the NCAA tournament. Yeah, right. I, this I, I, I mean, my God, I bet on every game. I sit down and watch for eighteen I've hours seen your straight. Yeah. I mean, I am I'm all in. But <laughs> your history guy, we thought this was football. In several different ways, they are trying to manage it in some different functions. Although it looks like, according to the post on our board from William, that Vincent Blaze just kind of throwing their hands up and going out of the hell with it. But when you do everything, and I mean everything about money, at some point, it is going to pop you a little bit in some way. So there is a negative to that somewhere. Sure. I mean, it is why I still, to this day, contend that as NIL continues to run more rampant, it's going to hurt college football from a fan standpoint, eventually. And I agree with you. I mean, I think this is maybe not the beginning of the end, but it is going to create some sort of reverse course that is going to happen at some point, or there is a monumental overtime structure change. I I don't disagree. I just, um, to, you, you, to use your barn and hay analogy, I think the horse is out of the barn. The, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. I think the horse is just running now. He's trotting down the road. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he's coming back to the barn. The farmer's whistling and calling for him. And... <laughs> he's gone. All the horses, they're just roaming now. I yeah, he's not Mr. Ed who just kind of hangs around the barn no. and comes back and lets him check your teeth. And... I, I just, I just, it, things change. Tyrannosaurus Rex had his day. Things changed. The Roman Empire thought everything was golden. Yeah. And for a while it was. And then it wasn't. <laughs> you know? Nebraska used to dominate. It did. It doesn't anymore. Miami was once the sexiest college oh. football program in the world. It's not anymore. An afterthought. UCLA once dominated college basketball. In in, in Alabama football ways. It doesn't anymore. Things change. 
Even Ric Flair got old. He did. He did. The little schools can also compete in basketball better than any other sport. It just can't. Sure, it's, two good players. Yeah, there are ways to make that to make that work. But I don't want to see a hundred and twenty-eight team tournament. No, 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 no. Just like Aaron Rodgers yesterday, calling out teammates on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. I think Aaron Rodgers has hit that point in his career where he's got titles, he's got MVPs, he went through all this stuff with the vaccine and everybody went after him, and I think his give-a-damn button is broken. And I don't think he cares. And if the Packers don't want him around anymore, he'll say, okay, cool. He said there are lots of mental errors with younger guys, and essentially they should have their playing time cut because of situational issues. I mean, it's not a crazy take. Probably every time he turns the Raiders on, he's like, how come he's not with me anymore? Well, that, no, that's why, – why? I'd like to throw to him. I, I, he was here, <laughs> yeah. and now he's not. Why is that? Yeah. Don't really have – And I don't have a dude like him. Don't really have a big problem with Rodgers. He took a lot of crap last year, including in his okay, own here's, organization. Here's the question. He's clearly on the backside of his career. Still very good. I'm not saying the end of Aaron Rodgers is here and it's his fault. But sure. because of these things, it's the Kaepernick thing. Your ability to help your franchise and your distraction thing, there's a scale there like the hot crazy scale that at some point you no longer are worth it. It will run him out of Green Bay faster than it would probably otherwise. You are not going to see the... Hall of Fame honeymoon in Green Bay that you would with potentially other quarterbacks in other places. But if I put Aaron Rodgers on the Saints right now. Oh, no, again, he's not done. I'm you, not saying it's today. You'd, you'd win the division. Well, yeah, I mean, even even if the division was decent. But, yeah, especially this division. Yeah, 100%. That's what I'm saying. I mean, here's yeah, my – I, I didn't say we're there. So here's my question. Is, said, is Aaron Rodgers – when's the trade deadline? Uh, Another week or two? Is he trying to push something? Bears and Eagles made a big trade yesterday. McCaffrey got traded a week ago. Is it possible that Aaron Rodgers is looking around and going, get me out of here? Oh, wait, sure. I mean, maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah, look at me with my big sign as I'm doing this over and over and over and over and over. Sure. Mac Jones expected to start on Sunday, by the way. Oh, yeah. for New England? Yeah. Zappy's better. Played three drives in the loss to Chicago. Yeah. I get, the GM for the Bears picked really good timing. Prior to the game on Monday, he came out in a press conference and talked about how Justin Fields is their guy and they are hopeful for all these different things. And then actually won. Won in Foxborough for the first time in in uh, franchise history. Sammy's right. The Rivals monthly subscription has remained the same since T-Rex has roamed college. Well, station. that is technically true. How about that? That is. Thank you, Sammy. I'll use that yeah. as, as a marketing ploy. Andy Dalton still remaining the starter in New Orleans, even though Jameis is technically healthy. <laughs> well, why not? He's been okay. He, look, he's had two disastrous picks that cost him the game the other day. But he's been okay. He's Andy Dalton. He, he's he's, he's a oh, he's an older Andy Dalton. Where you go? Eh. He's chilly. But he was the problem. And, go man, to Chili's and get, again, get the, get they're the burger. they're not making the playoffs. The they're not. And you're okay if you, if you go crazy on the menu and you order the steak and the steak comes out and you're like, this isn't any good. Yeah, don't order steak here. 
I mean, Roe keeps going, hey, we got a shot. I'm like, no, we don't. But, like. Trade deadline's 11-1, okay. November 1st. So All right. So, Tuesday. Yeah, four days away. But you understand very quickly watching him in New Orleans as an older where the Cincinnati goes, God, they really did convince themselves they had an elite quarterback. Because mm-hmm. he's just just close. Yeah. But this close doesn't win a ring. Yeah. Now now they know what an elite quarterback is. Yeah. Because they got one now. Yeah. Because he did. He, it's almost kind of Romo-ish in a way, although Romo's a better quarterback than Dalton, and I thought caught a bad rap over his career. But Dalton throws for 361 and four touchdowns on Sunday. And then two picks. Everybody goes, God, the two picks cost us the game. It's like, no, it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) He threw for 360 and four. Good defense. You're asking him to do it nonstop at 40 years old or whatever he is. You want him to go play linebacker too. Yeah. It's what used to drive me crazy about Romo is he would get beat 52 to 50 and throw the pick. (laughs) And Cowboys fans would go, God, our quarterback sucks. It's like, no, he threw for 461. (laughs) No. (laughs) Maybe you should stop somebody once. <laughs> and I didn't even care about Romo, but it would, it would drive me insane. I'm the same way. I don't. Even, I, I never cheer for the Cowboys, yeah. and I used to get upset at the Romo criticism. Yeah. Like that dude's really good. <laughs> yeah, I would take. I might take Tony Romo in today's condition for the Saints right now. Just come play. We'll figure it out. The NFC South, man, it sucks. But someone's going to win it. It's going to be a great. Seven and eleven home game against the L.A. Rams or whomever it is. Niners Saints, seven eleven Saints. I mean, it's going to be a so mess. I, I know it's Philly, yeah. But if I told you that it wasn't Philly, who wins the NFC? If I take Philly off the board, who wins the NFC? There's not a nut is because it, it's not Minnesota, but I mean they're but you watch them and they don't pass the eye test. Who does? No, it's my point. Nobody. How did the NFC and the AFC? Meanwhile, there's it's a damn race over there. Four legitimately good teams in the AFC. Well, because there's teams that are very good, like the Ravens, that are just an afterthought. I don't even consider them when I'm trying to figure out who's winning that. Winning and yet, that if league. you drop the Ravens in the NFC, they're the number two team at worst. All right, worst. Like no one's giving the Bengals a shot. You drop the Bengals in the NFC, and everybody goes, "Whoa." Um. No, because here's the problem, I mean, what you're Niners? saying. Is it? <laughs> I know you're just, you're sorting, it's not you're sorting the through the trash. Is it? But is it not? I, I give them a shot. Because we're doing the Dak can't win a playoff game thing? Yeah, and I don't, I'm just trying to get them to the tournament and then figure out what happens. If we take Philadelphia off the table, your options are the Giants? No, I'm not, I just, not yet. I'm not going there. I'm, I'm with you. Cowboys, Vikings. Of those two, I'd go Cowboys. The Vikings aren't bad, though. They're not. I I know they've they're, never done it, and I get good it. Chilies. They they're like Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, they're they're TGI Fridays. TGI good, Fridays on yeah. a good day at yeah. a good one. The AFC South, the NFC South. No, none no, of them. I, that division just has a big X through it, and it's not Seattle. As much as Seattle's a great story, they're winning the. Division right now. I, mean, but, I will say this: the Seattle Giants game Sunday at three twenty-five. I'm 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 going to watch it almost as a show of support. The 49ers. <laughs> two, two teams that have been. Is that what it is? Seahawks. Yeah. Giants? Okay. They've been very good. The 49ers, I don't think it's the Rams. I think they're too fat and happy. I. They're beat up. It's, yeah, it's it, not th- them. It's they not got them. offensive line issues, injuries. It's it, not them. If you told me the 49ers won the division and got hot. Or either were that five seed and goes and wins in New Orleans or Atlanta mm-hmm. and then gets the game and sure 
harasses Jalen Hurts and Joey Bosa beats him up and suddenly they're in. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I think I, I mean I think it's three. I think it's Vikings, Cowboys, or 49ers, and I'm leaning Cowboys or 49ers. Of those three, I think the one that if you told me to put a lottery ticket on, I think I'd go Niners. Because as much as we make fun of Garoppolo, he doesn't get well, blown I mean, I up. another weapon for him now. Yeah. I, and, and just you're saying, hey, dude, just don't lose it. And he's really good at not losing it. He's not going to go win it, but he's not going to go lose it either. And they're, they're pretty good on defense. I would love for my podcast to be Chili's Chet. It would make a lot of money. Chili's does quite well. It, it, I have no, no problems with Chili's. Oh, Chili's has a purpose. Look, son. Yeah, (laughs) sign me up. You kidding? Yeah, I mean, don't call me Burger Chef, and we're good. Uh, I almost walked down to the Chili's on Saturday night, and I would have been perfectly fine with it. You went to the Chili's in Fresno. I did. It was good. Yeah. Look, if you order the right thing on the menu at Chili's, there's a lot of people that order the Cajun chicken pasta. Okay, look, it is a it is a dish that here's people run through at Chili's. Chili's is you bring in a reliever out of the bullpen, yeah, and he's a fastball pitcher, yeah. Okay, don't sit there and call curves. No, throw the heater, serve it up. Let's Chicken go. crispers, pasta. Okay, burger. Let's go. You two, throw, two for one daiquiris. You okay. throw a fastball and a cutter. That's yeah. all we're gonna do. We're just it's just one inning here. Let's go. We're not yeah. we're not trying to get through the lineup three times. Now, in saying all this, the Eagles now have also added Robert Quinn. They trade for him from uh, Chicago. Yeah. He had 18 sacks last year. They are only better today than they were yesterday. And a smart trade by the Bears. They got a fourth-round pick out of it. The Bears aren't going anywhere. Quinn's a good player. He's 32 years old. Made sense. Are they keeping Roquan Smith? Uh, he's there now, but I th- they're going to move him. Yeah, I thought so, too. So. I don't know. Uh, thanks to Jeffrey for a ton of time today. Again, big day on the network. Butcher and Spin- Butcher versus the Spin Instructor. Pete's Pigskin Preview. Hand-raised guys. McCready and Siski. Stuff today. A lot of stuff. Mind Anything on my digital. money. Lots of stuff, man. A lot of stuff on the network. And then uh, check Rebel Grove time in the meantime. A lot of uh, some collective news this morning. Some uh, stuff on the message board. So uh, come hang out in anticipation of Ole Miss and A&M. Saturday night from College Station. We will be back with you for a post-game show presented by Dead Soxie on Saturday night. They, so come, I think they uh, do have that queso skillet dip thing. They do. Yeah, it's it has, good. Yeah, yeah, it's it, good. Again, it's perfectly fine. Two-for-one beers. Yeah. Get you some queso and a burger. You're set. You can make it work. You're fine. That, the little jalapeno burger they have thing, yeah. it's good. Yeah. So. Fastballs. Put the one down. Yes. Just no. like at the nice steakhouse, don't go, hey, how's the chicken? No. Nope. When he says, I want to throw the curve. No, no, no. Just serve it up. Yeah. Appreciate everybody in the stream and wherever you're listening. And we will talk to you again very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.